the last time I was here, we, we began, so I haven't called it a series, but really what I'm, I'm wanting to share is, is the reason why we exist as a church and why we're here. And, and I'm calling it Living Life with a Real Purpose. And, and by real, I mean R-E-A-L, a genuine purpose. We have a purpose for being here as individual people, and we have a purpose for being here as the body of Christ. And I've been asked, you know, why does Eagles Wing Church exist uh, over the last four years more than I, I could number? I, I've been asked that over and over and over. And really the, the question that most people are asking in a nice way is, why do we need another church? I mean, there's a church on every corner. And in the South, that's true. And in a lot of places, that's true. Sometimes that question is a, is a genuine question that, that people ask so that, that they have a desire to know, what, what, what are you about? What, what's, what's your, what makes your church different from another church? But a lot of times that question is asked by Christians who are a little bit territorial. Now, I know y'all don't, may not understand what I'm talking about, but uh, they don't want another church in their territory. And so they wonder why you're there. And, you know, here's the reality of churches. God raises up new churches. Churches are birthed every day. And this is sad, but it's, it's a reality. Churches die every day. There's, there's a life cycle very often in a church. And if that church does not adapt and it does not change the methods it uses over time, it will, it will die. Okay? It, it's, it's a normal... I mean, it's, churches are like people. There are churches that, that last 150 years, 200 years sometimes, but most churches don't. And so God raises up churches uh, to replace churches. But he also raises up churches to, uh, and establishes churches because the churches in a community or the churches in a region or an area are not reaching everyone. Listen, every church has a message. Okay, that message is Jesus Christ. We communicate it differently, and in doing so, we reach different kinds of people. One church can't reach all the people, and so that's one reason there are a lot of churches. Another reason is because churches are not reaching people, and so God establishes another church that will do what he's called it to do, and sometimes he, he raises up a church to walk out the truths of Scripture that have been forgotten. And over time, sometimes the body of Christ forgets certain things. Okay, that, that happens. One of our core values as a church is a biblical truth, I believe. And I, I believe it's a truth that we can't do without. But it's a, church, it's a truth that many churches have forgotten. Or they at least feel it's outdated. And that core value is very simple. We will actively pursue the spirit-filled life that Jesus promised us. We believe that, that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to enable us to be like Him. Okay? Otherwise, it's not possible. You'll hear me say that over and over this morning. You can't live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. The life Jesus died to give us is his life folks 
It's, it's, a, it's a power-filled life. It's, a, it's an abundant life. It's an overcoming life. It's a spirit-filled life. I'm going to say this, and I'll, I'll explain what I'm saying. And, and those of you that have, have been a part of Eagles Wing, you've heard me say this before. But everything that Jesus did during his 33 and a half years on this earth, he did as a man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say that again. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Everything that Jesus did, he did as a man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, totally obedient to the Father. Now, Jesus was God, okay? I, I, I believe he was 100% God. I believe he was 100% man, and he was both at the same time, all right? That's Orthodox Christianity. That's what the church has taught since the very beginning. He was the God-man. But Jesus didn't do miracles because he was God. You go, well, that's what I was taught. That's what I was taught. That was what I was taught pretty much through Bible college and seminary. But the reality of it is, is that According to Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, and this is not going to be up there. You can look this up later. But it talks about Jesus assuming the, the, the position of a servant and he emptied himself. Now I want you to listen to me very closely, okay? Because there's lots of goofy ideas in, in, about this. That word emptied is the Greek word kenosis. And it simply means to set aside. It doesn't mean to leave it anywhere. He didn't leave his God stuff in heaven. He brought it with him. He just simply chose not to use it. Okay? He made an active choice that I will not use my power as God. I have come to restore what God gave Adam and his descendants. Therefore, I am going to live as a man. And I'm going to limit myself to the limitations of those I have come to die for. I'm really going to be one of them. One of us. That's what Jesus did. And so Jesus limited himself. He chose not to use his power as God. You remember there were times in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, you know what, I could call a legion of angels right now. And he could have. There, when Satan told him, he said, hey, leap off this, uh, this precipice here on the, on the Temple Mount. The angels will catch you. They won't let you fall. He could have done that. And he didn't need any angels. He could have just... Loaded down. He chose not to do that. He chose instead to use the power of the Holy Spirit. He chose to become like us, folks. Jesus got tired. He sweated. He, he was hungry. He was thirsty. He felt pain. He was a real human being. He chose to become like us, and he chose to depend fully on the, on the Holy Spirit so that God's power could flow through him, just like God intended it to flow through us. Jesus was like us in every way, except he did not sin. He didn't sin. That's why he could make this promise. He said in John chapter 14, verse 12. You may have to look these up and they may be on. Okay, they're, they're up. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do. Now listen closely. 
he will do also. Now he could have stopped right there. And that would blow our circuits. Amen. Jesus is saying, you can do what I do. They will do what I do. But he didn't stop there. He said, and even greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to the Father. Jesus said that we could do what he did. Now listen to me. Jesus is logical. Jesus doesn't lie. And if Jesus did anything as God, you and I can't do it. Amen? We're not God. And we will never be God. The only thing Jesus did that we can never do, he still did it as a man, is that he became the sacrifice for sin. Why? Because he never sinned. That leaves the rest of us out. And because he was perfect, because he did not disobey God, he could become the sacrifice. He could die in our place. One man, the man, dying for humanity. And that's what he did. So so everything else, though, he says we can do. Now let let that resonate a little bit. When you think of Jesus, what do you think about? The cross? Okay. Let's lay the cross here. It's the central issue. But what are some of the things Jesus did before he went to the cross? Raise the dead. Fed the hungry. Walked on water. Heal the sick. Heal the blind. The lepers. On and on and on. And Jesus is saying, whoever believes in me, that word believes means to put their faith and trust in me will do what I did and even greater things. Uh, That's like putting exclamation points at the end of the sentence. Not just one, but a dozen. When Jesus talks about works here, he's, he's referring to his body of work. Okay? He's not talking about just his teaching. He's not talking about just sharing the gospel. He's talking about everything that he did. Everything that he did. With the exception, as I mentioned, of dying on the cross. That can't be duplicated. That's a one-time thing. Everything else, Jesus says is possible if we believe in him. Now, Because he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to live the Spirit-filled life, then we need to look at our example. Amen? If it was good enough for Jesus, then it should be good enough for us. If Jesus thought it was necessary for him to do, then it should be necessary for us. Amen? I'm not trying to lead anybody down a path into a corner where you can't get out of, okay? I'm I'm just trying to be rational here. It's interesting, when Jesus comes on the scene, when he makes his debut near the the Jordan River, we don't really know what went on the first 30 years of his life, basically. We know that he was born, we have have narrative about that that tells us the miraculous birth and and what took place and how his family went down into Egypt and came back. And then it, it gaps till his bar mitzvah. When he's, when he's 12 years old. And then it gaps again. He just disappears. Jesus 
we don't know anything about it. Now, there are all kinds of books and, 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 and false uh, writings that have been written that tell us all the miracles he did. But the reality of it is the Bible does not tell us that Jesus did anything miraculous for the thir- first 30 years of his life. But then, he goes down to the Jordan River and he goes to see John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, the scriptures the prophetic scriptures begin to, to be revealed again. And they begin to be fulfilled again. They were fulfilled at his birth. They were, they were fulfilled in a lot of different things there. But then for, for those 30 years, it's silent. And then all of a sudden, stuff starts to happen. He goes down to see John the Baptist. And he asks John to baptize him. And John doesn't want to do it. He recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. And John says, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, you need to baptize me so that the word can be fulfilled. And so Jesus is baptized. And Luke chapter 3 verse 22 tells us this. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. The Spirit of God rested on him. Filled him. Whatever language you want to use, baptized him. Whatever you want to call it, the Spirit of God came upon him. Okay? We've got... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. One person right there. All of a sudden, the two persons of the Trinity are there and and they're operating. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 tells us, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. When he comes out of the the baptism, the Spirit of God... uh, carries him he's full and to be full the spirit has to be in you okay he's full and the spirit of god begins to lead him into the wilderness and we know the story of what takes place there jesus is is uh tested and he's tried by the by satan and then luke chapter uh 4 14 tells us and jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit and if you just keep turning pages in Luke, you will find in Luke chapter 4.18 that it says, uh, excuse me, yeah, it says in 4.18 that the, Jesus said of himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if you go to, to Luke chapter 5, you'll, say, you'll see where it says, and the power of God was present for healing. And if you take the word power, which is exousia, and you take the word spirit, which is pneuma, and you interchange those, they mean the same thing. Because when the Holy Spirit was not present for healing, there was no healings that went on. The scripture says that. And it'll say over and over in, in, in the book of Luke that the, the Spirit did this or the power of God was there. Folks, I could go on and on and on. I could take you through the book of Luke and then into the book of Acts. Jesus operated at all times in the power and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He operated in the power of the Spirit. And the Bible says the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was upon him. Jesus was Spirit-filled. Okay? That would be a good place for... Amen. But most people are afraid. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We want Him to come and be here, but we want Him to sit on the back seat. He was front and center in the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ. 
He was spirit-filled because it is impossible to do what he did as a man otherwise. Okay? No man had ever done the things that Jesus had done. Yes, there had been some that raised the dead. There had been some that had cast out demons. There had been a few that had healed, you know, some sick people. But nobody did it on the scale like Jesus. Jesus was was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that those who believe in him would do the very same things. And even greater things. Now, here's to me, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? If he needed him, we need him. I love John the Baptist. John the Baptist is just plain and straight to the point. And John the Baptist is telling those people who are following him, thinking he's the Messiah. You know what? I'm not the Messiah. The Messiah, when he comes, he will baptize you in the Spirit, and he will baptize you with fire. And a lot of people take that Spirit and fire there, and they, they break fire away and say, that's judgment. That's not judgment. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit and fire. What he's saying there is, is you're going to be immersed in the Spirit of God and man, your fire is going to be on you. Okay? Nobody will have to wonder if you know Jesus or not. Nobody will have to wonder if you're a Christian or not. It's going to be evident. In other words... Jesus, whom John John recognized as the Messiah, would baptize. He would immerse his followers in the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what Jesus promised to do in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you're to stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. So if they've got to wait in the city to be clothed, it means that they don't have the power yet. Well, Nelson, the the disciples cast out some demons. They sure did. They healed some people. They sure did. But you know what? They were using Jesus' credit card. They were using his power. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power of your own that will come from me, but it will be your power. I will give you the credit card with your name on it. Now, that power doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't resonate from them. It doesn't have its origin in them. But they're going to have the ability to use it when they need to. And so, he says, I'm going to send it. I'm going to send forth that promise. Well, what promise is he talking about? Well, over in the Old Testament, there's a promise that's found in Joel chapter 20. I'm in chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. I'm going to read that, that prophecy to you. It says, It will come about after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all humanity, on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters, male and female, okay? Not just male, male and female. I will pour out my Spirit on all humanity, on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. See, it's not going to just be on young people or middle-aged people. It's going to be on all people. The old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants. So there's not going to be a class distinction. It's going to be on everybody. 
I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. In other words, my spirit, he will come on all people who know me. And Jesus told his disciples that, that he was going to send the spirit. And one of the last things he told them, these are the final words of Jesus. Before he ascends bodily into heaven after the resurrection. He says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. In other words, when I send him, when I send the Holy Spirit, you will be equipped to do what I have given you the mandate to do. The mission I have sent you on, you will have the power to do it. And you know what? Jesus kept his promise. Sometimes we read this verse and we hurry through it because it scares us. Okay? But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. All the disciples were in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a, a rushing, a violent rushing wind. And that noise, that rushing wind noise filled the house. The it there is not the Holy Spirit. Because he's not an it. He's a he. He's a person. He's not a power. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. That it is the noise. They could hear the noise in the room. And, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now what did John say Jesus would do? He said he will baptize them in the Spirit and with fire. Jesus kept his promise. He kept the promise, the prophecy of Joel and the prophecy of John. All of those were fulfilled. And that same promise, I believe, is replicated in every believer's life. Or it should be. Because apart from the filling, the baptism, the immersion, whatever you are comfortable calling it, without it, you are not a believer. Okay? You may say, well, Nelson, I walked an aisle. I prayed a prayer. Folks, the proof of a believer is not praying a prayer, walking an aisle. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what transforms us. That's what renews us. That's what rejuvenates us. That's what makes us born again. We are born anew. We become a new person by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's not here... I'm just the same old shell. I may look better. I may act better. I may talk a little differently. But I'm not a believer. That's what Scripture teaches. Folks, that spirit empowerment, apart from that, we can't live the life Jesus died to give us. So the Holy Spirit is fundamental. He's imperative. He's crucial. For being a follower of Christ. Every Christian needs to be baptized in the Spirit. Immersed in the Spirit. Saturated in the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Whatever word you choose to use. We've, we've 
pastors and theologians have taken the words that Jesus simply taught and what Paul simply taught, and we've put it in all kinds of categories, and we've so confused the body of Christ that most of them don't have an idea of who the Holy Spirit is or what He does. They're just afraid, I hope He doesn't sit by me today so I don't act funny. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean... We laugh, but that's true. I'm not going to that church. You know, they're, they're a little scary. I'm not going to that church. They're a little dead. You know, there's extremes. All right? There really is. But the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to live the abundant, eternal life. That Jesus promised. Just let me use the, the illustration of those who followed Jesus. Y'all, y'all know their story. They're in the gospel. They, they were just a group of guys. Okay? They weren't superheroes. They were goofy. They were jealous. They wanted what they wanted. They were a group of guys. They were like little boys in, in men's bodies. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you get a group of guys together, they just do stupid things, and they say stupid things. That's what these guys did. They were real people. When they got scared, you know what they did? They acted scared. One minute, they were, hey, Jesus, I'll die with you. The next minute, they were running as fast as their legs could carry them, okay? They were just real people. But, folks, something happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, they didn't cease to do stupid things. They were human beings. But all of a sudden, the fear they lived in, the intrepidation that they lived in, and, 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 and all that stuff, it evaporated. They were different. They talked differently. They acted differently. Faith, not fear, marked their movements. They began to do the works of Jesus. They begin to do what Jesus had done. Folks, people got healed when they walked through Peter's shadow. Scripture never says people got healed by walking through Jesus' shadow. I mean, all, they took cloths from Paul to people that were sick. So all of a sudden, you've got, you've got the disciples doing the things that Jesus did and even greater things. They begin to heal the sick. They begin to cast out the demons. They begin to raise the dead. They were now willing to die for their faith in the resurrected Jesus. They didn't run and hide anymore. And if you read history, tradition tells us that 11 out of those 12 apostles died horrible, violent deaths. They were martyred. Some were boiled in oil. Some were beheaded. Some were stoned. Some were crucified. Only John didn't die a violent death. And he spent most of his older life on a prison island breaking rocks. And and forget about them. Countless others who, who are unnamed and unknown to us but known to God. They died even worse deaths, if that's possible. Some of them were crucified. Others were stoned. Some of them were burned to death. Some were beheaded. Many were tortured and martyred in the Colosseums and the arenas all over the Roman Empire. 
unbelievable things. And you know what they did? They testified to Jesus. While they were burning to death, they sang songs to Jesus. Normal people don't do that. Okay? But that's what normal Christians do. That's what real Christians do. You know why? It wasn't because they had high tolerances of pain. Man, I have seen some people this past week who have a high threshold of pain. I saw a lady who was 92 years old, her hair still black, dressed to the nines with her cane, hobble into the center, get three teeth pulled, hobble back out down the street. But folks, these guys didn't have a high threshold of pain. They had the Holy Spirit. There's only one reason why they could do what they did. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the great change agent. Most Christians today are even fearful of calling themselves spirit-filled. I know when you say that, you get all these pictures, okay? They're afraid. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're afraid. You'll be labeled a fanatic, a wacko, a crazy We argue and we debate on when and how a person is filled or baptized or immersed. We can't even decide on the words. The Bible uses two, baptized, filled. Take a choice, okay? It uses them interchangeably. But we can't even figure out which one we want to use. And, and okay, th- this one happened here, and it only happens one time, and this one happens daily on a regular basis. Well, they're interchangeable in a lot of other places in Scripture. I don't want to confuse you, but I want you to understand a lot of the stuff we've been taught that's this, 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 and this is not that way. That's why we have Bibles and the ability to read for ourselves to check this stuff out. The problem is is that that the individual believers of today look nothing like the believers of then. We still live in a first century world, but we don't look like first century believers. Folks, their life was marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a, a marked change. It was evident in their communities. It was evident to the unbelievers around them. There was change in their life the moment Jesus baptized them or filled them with the Spirit. That filling was evident, okay, in their lifestyle, in their demeanor, in their behavior. They were clothed. They put on someone, not something. And that someone put, made them different. It was the Spirit of Jesus. By the way, the Holy Spirit is also the Spirit of Jesus. That's what Scripture says. They put on the Spirit of Jesus. They didn't just put Him on. He saturated all the way to the core of their own spirit, the core of their being. And they turned the world upside down. How? Well, they proclaimed the message. 
They weren't ashamed of it. They weren't afraid people would point at them and make fun of them. They, point, they proclaimed the message. But they didn't stop there. They demonstrated the message. They demonstrated the power of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. They spoke with their mouth and they used their hands. I saw that in action this week. I saw people who, led by the Spirit, took temperatures and gave medications or just prayed. I saw other people who were fluent in the language proclaim the gospel. And what I saw is the proclamation and the demonstration result in people getting saved. I'm talking about people who have nothing, who have no hope, who have, live in places where there are no jobs. If you want to know why they're flooding this nation, go with us to Mexico and it becomes apparent. Okay? It's easy to stand on this side and make all these comments about they ought to do this and they ought to do that. Okay? You understand why people come to. They're coming from all over the world. They're not just coming from the south. If you're watching the TV, they're flooding Europe because their homes have been destroyed. They're looking for hope. And folks, you and I have the hope. And His name is Jesus. And He's given us the power. And His name is the Holy Spirit to declare Him and to proclaim Him and to demonstrate Him. That's why He gives us His Spirit. Folks, if all we needed was to pray a prayer, Jesus would have said, pray this prayer. It's 15 words long. If you pray it, you will go to heaven. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, put your trust in me. Believe in me. And the things that I've done. And you know what? I will come and dwell in you. And you will do what I have done. And you will do even greater things than I've done. Folks, they used the power source that Jesus has promised them. And, 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 and given to them. He delivered on his promise. And, and you know, what do we depend on? Well... Most Christians depend on programs and preachers and personalities and money and technologies and gimmicks. And listen to me. While all of those things have a place, they cannot replace the Holy Spirit. Okay? I don't care how bright your lights are, how big they flash, how loud the music is. If the Spirit of God is not in that room, not one person will come to know Jesus. I don't care how loud you can preach, what kind of words you can use, if you can make all your points start with the same letter, if the Holy Spirit is not in that room, not one person will get saved. I don't care if you're larger than life and everybody laughs at the stuff you say and, and you're so dadgum handsome, people just ooze and goose and fall at your feet. If the Holy Spirit's not there, you cannot be saved. Okay, that's just the way it is. It's not a work of human beings. It's a work of God. Folks, apart from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, a person can't come to know Christ. So that's why we exist. We exist to pursue that spirit-filled life that Jesus promised us. 
Listen to me. I don't have any desire to do church, okay? Because there are pastors around that can do it far better than I can do it. So I don't have any desire to do church. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have freedom to do what He wants to do and when He wants to do it. I don't want Him just to be here and have a seat on the back. I mean, to be here and sit in the back. I want Him to be here front and center. I don't want you to see me nor hear me. I want to disappear. As John said, I want to decrease that He might increase. I don't have an agenda when it comes to a service. These guys that work with me, these ladies that work with me, I don't ever tell them what songs to sing. I think I've suggested one thing that just, song that just really moved me over the course of four years, and we finally did it. Okay? I'm not the Holy Spirit. You know what? I can guilt you into the, to up the gate to the kingdom of heaven, but I can't get you through the doors. I can, I can, you know, I can preach in such a way that emotionally it will move you, but it won't get you through the door. The Holy Spirit has to take you from here to here. And so, you know what? I don't have an agenda when I come. I come just to be a conduit. That's what I want to be. I want to be a conduit of His presence and His power because without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Folks, I'm useless, you're useless. You say, well, I, mean, I don't like that. Okay, sarah, sarah. Okay, that's just the way it is. Folks, I believe that the Holy Spirit is looking for a church. A body of believers who, who just simply hunger for His presence. And, and they're willing to pay the price to pursue His presence. I believe that when the Holy Spirit finds such a people, that Jesus will pour him out like fire. Okay? And that church will blaze with the presence and the power of God. You know what? I'm not satisfied. I've come to that place in my life where I don't just want to read about it and dream about what it was like. This is what it was like in the good old days. You know, when you get older, the good old days get a lot better than they really were. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't want to read the Bible and say, boy, it was good in the good old days. I want to see what was taking place then take place now. Okay? I want to experience what they experienced. I'm not satisfied with the stories of what God did in the past when He still longs to do even greater things in the present and the future. I'm not satisfied with a faith that, that wants to hide until He comes back to get me. And rescue me. Folks, Jesus is not coming back to rescue us. He's coming back to get his bride who is prepared to go with him into the victory supper. Okay? He's not coming back to rescue us, to pull us out and snatch us from the fire. He's coming to get the victorious ones who are ready for him. I don't want to hide in a corner because I'm afraid of what somebody will say. Listen, I don't care anymore what people say. Just look at me. Okay? (laughs) I've endured a week in Mexico with with a barber that's just following me around doing this the whole week. Every time I go, that's what he does. 
Thank God his blood sugar was way up high and the nurses got him and, and, and set him down, okay? But, but so I, I'm not worried about what people say. I hunger for a move of God, okay? I want to see God be God. I hunger for a new Pentecost when, when, when those who've encountered the, the Spirit of the living God come alive and they start to act like Jesus, Folks, I long to see what this book teaches become a reality, not just in my life, but in our life, in the life of the church. That's why we planted this church. That's why we exist. We want to be different. You say, well, Nelson, different's not always good. It's good when you're different like they were different in the book of Acts. Different like they were the first three centuries. Different from bland, one-size-fits-all Christianity that's preached now. I want to be different in that way. I don't want to be weird or strange or bizarre. The Holy Spirit's not weird or strange or bizarre. Okay? He's God. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. And He's a God of power. Folks, We want to be a genuine, spirit-filled church who is in pursuit of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God promised that He would baptize, that He would fill His followers with His Spirit. Okay? So if you're not enjoying the level of the promise that He's given... Maybe you're just not there. Maybe for some reason it's like the pipes are clogged. Okay? Jesus was very simple. That's what I like about Jesus. That's why I can understand Jesus. He he was not complex, although he was. What he had to say is complex. But he was very simple in speaking it and in what he meant. We're so afraid of going after that promise. Here's what Jesus said. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He doesn't say you have to stand on your head and hum kumbaya. He doesn't say you have to go um, 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 um until something else happens. He just says, how much more will the Holy Spirit, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you what you ask for? Listen to me, here's the bottom line today. If you're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, you, you can't sense that presence. I mean, you know that you know that you know you're a believer. You've done what Scripture says. You've you've confessed with your mouth and you've believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So you know that you know, but there's something just is not, you're just not, you don't feel like you're all there. Just ask Him, Lord, I want your Spirit in a new way. In a way that's real to me. In a way that'll be real to other people. Lord, I want to be able to do what you've done. And I want to do those greater things. He just says, ask him. Ask him. 
Well, I'm afraid of what might happen. Let me tell you what will happen. He will give you the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I might do this, and you might not. See, we've, we've watched everybody else, and we've listened to Christian TV, and we've read all these books, but we've been afraid to go to our Father and say, Lord, I want what you promised. I want all of him. I know this sermon's maybe a little different. I've been preaching it for four or five years. Over and over and over. You say, why? Because everybody hasn't got it yet. They're afraid to ask. I've seen people's lives changed by the Spirit of God. Fear became faith. Timidity became boldness. They begin to pray with power. And things begin to happen. Folks, that's the kind of church we want to be. That's why we exist. Okay? That's a part of making us real and having a real purpose. I don't find in Scripture that as a pastor, I'm supposed to lead you in some made-up prayer to do this. So I'm not going to do that. I will say this. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that's the prayer you need to pray first. Lord, I surrender. I give up. Save me. Come live in my heart. You'll know it. You'll know it. And then just ask Him, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Baptize me in Your Spirit. Immerse me in Your Spirit. Whatever word you want to use. Just ask for the Holy Spirit. And He will fill you. And He will continue to fill you day after day after day. And your life will change. Okay? We change, folks, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Because that's where the Spirit of God is. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.